I'm Carly Fiorina, and this is By Example. On this podcast, we sit down with leaders of all types to explore examples of real leadership and the qualities of all great problem solvers. I think we get really confused about what leadership is. On By Example, we lift up the real leaders, people who are focused on changing the order of things for the better and solving real problems that are right in front of them. Leading by example. Today we're talking to one of the smartest leadership minds I've ever met. That's a big statement, and I mean it. I'm bringing you today my conversation with Kayla McKeon. You're going to hear her perspective on leadership and confronting problems. She's wise, she's witty. And she has one of the most cogent and accurate descriptions of leadership I've ever heard. Oh, and I forgot to mention, she has Down syndrome. That doesn't stop her, clearly. In fact, it's something that has given her tremendous power. And it's a reminder to all of us that each of us have amazing potential. Kayla is the first registered lobbyist with Down syndrome. Actually, Kayla is the first registered lobbyist with Down syndrome. She works for the National Down Syndrome Society. And we're also joined in this conversation by Sarah Hart Weir, the president and CEO of the NDSS. Before we begin, I want to tell you a story that I think sums up Kayla so perfectly. And unfortunately, the recording wasn't running when she told this story, so I get to tell it. Kayla's an adult now. She's 31. And this story happens um, when she was an adult. She said, you know, Carly, how people get preconceived notions of you. She said, I walked into a restaurant with my parents and the waiter said to me, would you like some crayons? And she said, no, thank you, but I'll have a glass of red wine. That wit, that generosity of spirit, is among the many things you're going to find extraordinary about Kayla. And this is about as inspiring a conversation as I can think of bringing to you. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. So welcome, Kayla and Sarah. We're so excited to have you here today. I'm so excited for us to be here with you. Well, good. Uh, And I know that uh, our listeners are going to learn so much from you. You know, we do this podcast because we want to redefine the word leadership for people. People are very confused when they hear the term leader. They think maybe it's somebody with a big title or a big office or a lot of fame. And leadership isn't actually about any of those things. It's about changing the order of things for the better, making things better, especially for other people. And you, Kayla, have spent your life doing that. I try. <laughs> no, you've, you have. Well, one of the things that I want to ask you a little bit about yourself before we get to your work, if that's okay. Absolutely, Carly. Um, when I read a little bit about you, I think, wow, Kayla has always been an adventurer, a risk taker. Um, you gave your first inspirational speech at 18 I was at 18 I couldn't have never done that um you 
like to ride on the back of a Harley Davidson motorcycle? I do. You like hot air balloon rides? Yes. You're and the first registered lobbyist with who Down also syndrome. happens to have Down syndrome. And actually, I did my first beach when I was 13 years old at a Special Olympic event in Syracuse. Wow. So I want to start by asking you, where did you find your courage? Why are you so brave? Because I have many of my colleagues to fall back on. And with Sarah and Josh Harlow and many of our wonderful colleagues, we help each other out. We are each other's stone. So I get my leadership from Sarah, who... It's nothing but courage, and she always exhibits that aura about her. So she helps me to become a leader and helps me impact the lives of others, not just with Down syndrome, but those of us that, that are differently abled. Mm. And so when you were 13 and you gave that speech at Special Olympics, um, your mom said that you were never afraid is that true? And I'm asking these questions about fear because most of us are afraid of lots of things. And you've exhibited a lot of courage. And that I know our listeners would love to know, are you ever afraid? Have you ever been afraid? I've been afraid of some things, but not speaking. Because like you said, that we're having a conversation between two people or three, four, or five people in this case. They are just like talking with a congressman or a woman and just a conversation. We all put our pants on the same way. So, and I love talking to people because I am a people person. I am outgoing. And this is why my mom said that I'm never afraid because it's just another person, no matter how you look at it. You know, Kayla, that is so wise, what you just said. Seriously. And there are a lot of people in the world who would say, oh, no, I can't talk to a congressman because they're not like me, and they don't put their pants on like me, and they have this big title in this big office, and I'm afraid of them, and I'm intimidated by them. It seems so obvious to you that we're all just people. We are, yes. But it's not actually obvious to everybody not to everybody and that's okay too because people find their confidence or their courage in other ways and it will strengthen your senses in different ways yes well does riding on the back of a harley davidson motorcycle (laughs) i must say i've done that it terrifies me does that scare you or no you just have a blast because i can fall asleep on the back of a motorcycle without a problem Wow, that's that's okay. impressive. It's have, really <laughs> impressive. <laughs> I have a friend from George back at home, which is the Sacred Heart Church in Cicero. A friend of mine would take me out um, for a couple of years, and we would just go. Then we go get a bite to eat, and we come back. It would take like two, three hours. Wow. So that's why I know I can. Fall asleep anywhere. You can fall asleep on the back of a Harley. Exactly. Pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. I'm, I'm not, I know I'm very safe, so I can easily sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, um, when I asked you about your courage a couple minutes ago, you 
uh, immediately began talking about your colleagues and yes. and how Sarah and Josh and others on your team lift you up. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what leaders do. They lift people up. Exactly. You're a leader. You're yeah. a leader. In my own way, yes. Well, I think in all the ways that matter, you're a leader because you lift a lot of people up. Who lifted you up when you were, before you were a famous lobbyist, before you were doing all this wonderful work for others, who first saw possibilities in you and lifted you up? My parents. And, And what did your parents say to you that lifted you up? They know I can succeed, and they knew I had many aspirations, and they knew that no matter what, that I always try my best, and I strive to do my best to the abilities that I know, and not just my parents, but my colleagues, Josh Harlow, Sarah Wheel, Colleen Hatcher, and many others on this wonderful National Autism Society's team. They always push each other to the limits, and we break down barriers one at a time. Mm. And I, I think yeah. with, with Kayla and her role um, at the National Down Syndrome Society, it's, it's so much more bigger than life with Kayla. And not to say to that new mom that may have a baby with Down syndrome born tomorrow or next week that every person with Down syndrome needs to be Kayla or needs to be a registered lobbyist on Capitol Hill. I personally would love that because we would get so much more work done. But with Kayla and her story and her journey, it's really about showing the world, showing members of Congress, showing that next employer, that next teacher, that next doctor, that people with Down syndrome matter and their lives matter and they have value and they deserve our dignity and our respect. And they have passions just like everyone else. And I think that's what really makes Kayla so special is she's being a leader and showing all of these other families all across the country um, what people with Down syndrome can do, not what they can't do. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because my mother used to say to me, what you are is God's gift to you. What you Mm -hmm. make of yourself is your gift to God. And I know that everyone is gifted by God. And so many people never fully use or discover their God-given gifts. Mm -hmm. There's so many people who don't achieve all their possibilities. And to me, you're a leader, not just because you spend so much of your time helping other people, but because you demonstrate what it is to fulfill your potential. So many people don't. They don't understand what that means. You know, if you had to define a leader, what would you say, Kayla? Sarah, do you want to start? Can I end a minute, please? Yes, absolutely. I think for leadership, from my personal perspective and our professional um, perspective at NDSS, leadership, like you said, Carly, is all about courage and having the kind of chutzpah to go out and get what you want and really get things done. And for me, you know, it's all about leading by example. 
At NDSS, I can't tell the next employer to hire somebody with Down syndrome if we don't do it ourselves. And so I've been really proud being in the trenches at NDSS the last seven years is really walking the walk and talking the talk. Um, we have 25% of our staff has Down syndrome, and they're a part of every facet of our entire organization. And to me, you know, that is, is truly important. And they bring real, real value, and they make a real difference. Absolutely. And I learn things from Kayla and Charlotte and Adrian and Jamie and Luke and David and everyone on our staff each and every single day. They they make me better. And sometimes, you know, I go to them and say, hey, we have this challenge or this this issue came up, this, you know, state legislation, like the state um, bills that we're very concerned about um, that passed in New York State and Virginia and um, now Vermont um, around the late term abortion. I want to know what Kayla has to think about that and what she has to say. And that helps us inform how we advocate as an organization. And I believe that leaders should be advocating for ourselves. That we have the commitment, the courage, and the confidence that we want to show. I can be a leader. Sarah can be a leader. Jatala can be a leader in her own way. I think that the highest calling of a leader is to unlock potential in others. And what both of you are talking about is not just fulfilling your own potential, which is huge and important, but helping other people fulfill their own potential. Mm -hmm. That's, I think, why you are such a powerful leader and role model for people. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. It's true, though. You lift people up. So you talked a little bit about um, some of the work you're doing on the Hill. Tell me how you got started in politics, Kayla, because some people look at politics and go, whoa, what a horrible place to be. And some people hear the term lobbyist and think, no, 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 I don't want to be a lobbyist. How did you get involved in politics? Sure. In Syracuse, um, I was at a baseball game, my local congressman, and, well, before he was a congressman at the time, and he was running. We were at a baseball game, and they were throwing out T-shirts. And here's me. I can't catch. I can't either, so it's okay. <laughs> so he came up and he gave me a shirt. And then we took a picture together. Then um, the next time I met him was at a church festival. He gave, I, he gave me a business card. So I gave him my business card. And then, um, and then we proceeded to the festival. But after that, and through Special Olympics here day, um, is when I spoke to him about Special Olympics and why units couldn't reach rival May Special Olympics happen. It was through that that John Catco um, asked me to intern for him in his Syracuse office. It took a while for me to answer. My mom went to yell on my behalf. I'm like, oh, sorry, yes. So I interned for him for two years in the Syracuse office where I represented him at different events like citizenship awards and did various office work. I loved it. And even so, until this day, I always say that Congressman John Kako got me my, helped me get my position with the National Down Syndrome Society because we went to the Capitol Candy Jaw 
which is one of our DS Works partnerships as well, that it was a, a conference about employment in the differently abled, more specifically toward Down syndrome. And we were going, apparently he had to go to a vote, but it was there where Sarah asked my mom, well, can I take a job? Mom said, don't talk to me, talk to her. <laughs> so when I came over, Sarah asked me to work for the National Down Syndrome Society, and I accepted. And this was in, I believe, the longest recruitment ever. It took several months for her to sign on the dotted line. <laughs> <laughs> well, she needed to be choosy. Yes. You had to make sure. <laughs> exactly. I signed and I worked, started in October of 2017. But before that, I was a volunteer with NDSS. I was named the Self-Advocate of the Year in 2016. I am a Down syndrome ambassador for them as well. And I just love working with NDSS, being able to be the first registered lobbyist with Down syndrome, making a difference and making history. There's not many people can say that. Yes, And I'm indeed. proud to say that I am one of them. Yes, you are. Well, um, when you became a registered lobbyist, and I'm asking this question because that term is so loaded these days, people think they know what it means, and sometimes they don't think it means something very nice, right? So when you became a registered lobbyist, how did you explain that to your friends or your family or people who weren't familiar with this work? I, but this is what I like to say to like my friends because they don't know what that means. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I talk to congressmen and women. I talk to senators who help pass and enact laws for those people with Down syndrome and those that are differently abled. Like, I'm just talking to my congressman or my congresswoman, and I just feel incredible knowing I'm walking the same steps as Congressman Kako, Congresswoman Kathleen Morris Rogers, Congressman Tonko, and and they're just a name of you. But I feel powerful knowing that I'm walking the same steps as they do because I know that what I'm doing makes a bit of a difference. Not just for one person, but for all of us. Exactly, and that is why you are a leader, because you're making a world of difference for a lot of people. What's the most important work that you're doing right now? Are there particular laws that matter greatly that you're working on right now or policies? Yes, right now our biggest policy is ending some minimum wage, and this phases out Section 14C in the next six years. And this is within the 1938 Fair Labor and Standards Act, where people like me, yes, people like me, are still getting paid pennies per hour, and that's not fair to those of us with Down syndrome. But we're going to get paid fairly. And we're trying to end some minimum wage. We want to end law syndrome because Down syndrome does not hold me back or my friends back. Clearly. <laughs> we, Clearly. 
for people with disabilities, people with Down syndrome, we still have a system that is very archaic, very mm-hmm. outdated. I mean, Kayla referenced quite beautifully a 1938 provision that was created at a time in the Fair Labor Standards Act when people with Down syndrome weren't living past, you know, five, six, seven years old. And we have laws dating back to the 1960s that were put in place to support people like Kayla when people with disabilities were being institutionalized. And so a lot of our focus at the National Down Syndrome Society has been to modernize public policy mm-hmm. and do it in a way that offers more private sector solutions to public sector problems. Mm-hmm. There's not enough resources and uh, programs like Medicaid and Social Security. And so if Kayla wants to work and wants to contribute to society and pay taxes, she should be able to do that without putting benefits like Medicaid or health care in jeopardy. And that's really what we want. If you talk to people with Down syndrome, just like Kayla, they want to work. They want to be productive members of society. They don't want to be looked at like, you know, this is a charity or, you know, this is just a nice thing to do. They want to be treated like real people. Because, because they, they are, are real people. Yes. yes. <laughs> so, Kayla, I, I, I want to ask you, you use a phrase that I think is really important, and I want to ask you to explain it a little bit and sure. tell me why you think the phrase is so important. You have described yourself and others that you work on behalf of, others that you advocate for, as differently abled. Yes. And I think that's such an important phrase. Talk to me a little bit about differently abled and what that means to you. Sure. People use the word disability, and I'm not saying anything bad about it, but you also have that desk that's right in front of that world Mm. where we don't have... And yes, we all have abilities, but we are different in our own right. People have Down syndrome, people have autism, people have Asperger's, but they're all different abilities. And we want to show that we have abilities. And those people that do, we want to celebrate that. And this is why on March 21st, we have World Down Syndrome Day, where we go out to celebrate and promote awareness for all individuals with Down syndrome on 321. And that's to celebrate Down syndrome. But with autism and um, Asperger's and many other abilities out there, we are are a person first and foremost. Mm -hmm. And we want to showcase our abilities. And this is why we have C21, where it showcases our abilities to the max, where we can bartend, we can serve, we can do anything that you we can lobby, you to. can advocate. Exactly, <laughs> it can be like you, you can do Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you can lead. You can lead. You are leading. Um, when you were growing up, you were obviously engaged in a lot of activities. Very much so. Um, from a policy point of view, I know one of the things that people talk about is is integration of people with different abilities in classrooms. Is that something you have a strong point of view about, given your own experience? When I was young, I was I was in the basement. I was in a class that was self-contained, and it was later that I got mainstreamed into a regular class with fellow peers, and now I am taking college classes. In the beginning of taking college classes, 
Um, I was going to say classes for fun, right? Mm. And not for credit. But I want to get my associate's degree in general studies. So I started looking at the classes curriculum and figured out what classes I needed. Now I'm 37 credits for my degree. Wow. Well, I think it's after this class. I'm not positive on the numbers or stats anymore, but um, I'm getting closer. But what we want is inclusive setting where not just one person with Down syndrome is included, but all people are included. Because I remember being isolated in a cafeteria once. And then I ran into a friend who told my mom, go, told my mom at an ice cream stand, oh, can you remember me? You say with the entire football team at lunch. And right there I felt more included than ever. Oh, that's such a great story. Um, and my mom was surprised, like, what? She said with a football team? <laughs> What's the most interesting class you're taking right now, or that you've taken in to, as you work towards your associate degree? I've taken a couple of sign language classes, and no, I am not very fluent at all, but I can sign. I can still help individuals that need um, those kind of, what's the word I'm trying to look for? Extra assistance if needed. Uh-huh. I've taken psychology classes. I've taken a sociology class, a writing class. I'm now taking an English class right now. I need another English. I need a science with a lab. I need history. Mm. I still have a little bit to go. Well, and, and do you have a favorite of all those subjects? I love English because I love to write, and I have notebooks full of writing. Wow. Well, you know, I, I would say that too few young people know how to write anymore. So that's a that's a really important. Yes, yes, as an employer, I can <laughs> say that. It's a really important. It's good you love English. I do. I was a history and philosophy major, so you, you know, you're right up my alley. <laughs> um, if you were talking to a mom or a dad who knew that they were going to have a Down syndrome child, what would you tell them? Funny because I'm since I am a very much of an avid public speaker, that I speak to schools, elementary schools, middle schools, colleges, and the school of nursing, and that's my favorite part of talking to the school of nursing, because when they welcome a, a baby with Down syndrome, when say congratulations, you have a baby with Down syndrome, that it's not a sad diagnosis. And baby, we are living proof of that. We want to show what we have and not what we don't. You know, our our folks, and Kayla's absolutely right, parents contact, contact us all the time um, to get information about Down syndrome. And we provide them with 2019 information on Down syndrome. And that message needs to be congratulations. You're going to have a beautiful, healthy child. And, you know, in 1982, the life expectancy of somebody with Down syndrome was 25, and today it's 60s and 70s. And Kayla, how old are you? 31. And, you know, our I'm folks... Old. You're not old. No, believe me. <laughs> you're, you're not, not old. old. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's relative. <laughs> exactly. 
and that I think that's so important. And as our folks are growing older, it presents new opportunities for us to tackle some policy solutions around caregiving. You know, we have a lot of parents that are aging and our folks with Down syndrome are outliving their parents presents a new challenge to solve that that predicament to make sure that our folks are financially sound. It's one of the reasons um, our organization five years ago led the effort to pass the ABLE Act, which created tax-free savings accounts for people with disabilities, 529As. And through these savings accounts, Kayla has one actually, and her parents contribute, and you contribute your own paycheck, um, will be financially sustainable for the long term. And that's truly important for our folks to know, you know, what that future looks like, because a lot of times um, you'll have a brother or sister that steps into that caregiving role. You know, Kayla's an only child, so for her mom and dad, who are absolutely amazing, you know, it's a conversation. They really are. They're my two of my heroes too. Those those are questions that families need to Mm -hmm. have those realistic discussions and and have a plan, um, which will help make sure that that person is taken care of. What's the best part of your work? What What's the part of your work that really gets you going. I'm going to ask you what the worst part is in a minute, too, so you can think about that. But what's the best part of your day in your work, the part that really gives you joy? Being on Capitol Hill and passing and enacting laws Mm -hmm. to make a difference for not just me, but everybody. And what's the worst part of your job? We all have bad parts of our job. What's the worst part? Trying to get on the calendar. They're always busy. Oh, trying to get on their calendars. Yes, well, yes. okay, there you go. That's <laughs> realistic. Yeah, it is. You can't get any more than that. And and when you and your fellow teammates who also have Down syndrome, mm-hmm. when you get together and, you know, chat about the day or chat about your challenges, what are the things that come up most often? Not really sure. On With Canada. Charlotte and Adrian. What do, you, what do you all talk about in the office, in, in the office and outside the office? Maybe well, you talk about Sarah and Josh. I don't know. But you don't have no, to say that. Probably does. <laughs> we just talk in general about, um, yes, I can drive. Sometimes people don't know how to drive. Yeah. That's okay, too. We just talk about normal life goals that we have, that we can't go to college. That we can drive a car, get married, and at some point, at some point, get married, and many other a- dreams and aspirations that we have. When it work on that. In other words, you talk about the same things everybody talks about when they get together, right? Exactly. I, I mean, that's that's what I hear in that answer, and that's why Basically, I ask the question. You just shoot the breeze. Yeah, you <laughs> shoot the breeze. You talk about things that we all talk about. You know, exactly the news. Yeah, the news. Or maybe not. <laughs> well, and I know what your dreams are, wh- yes. what your frustrations are. Pretty much. And I think the best part about working at NDSS is working with Kayla and Charlotte and Adrian um, because they teach us, you know, everything that we have to learn in order to be successful as an organization. We teach and you teach us so we can better ourselves too. So give me an example of something unexpected, Sarah, that you learned from Kayla, that you weren't expecting to learn? Unexpected from Kayla. You know, we Kayla and I do a lot of speeches and a lot of presentations together. And 
my most favorite question that anybody has ever asked me is, would you have hired Kayla if she didn't have Down syndrome? And that question is absolutely. I mean, you, you see her sitting here. I've been able to have the fortune of seeing her in action. You know, we were just li- with Congresswoman Kathy McMorris-Rogers and Leader McCarthy and, um, you know, advocating for our issues. And Kayla's drive, her energy, her enthusiasm, and her passion mm. are all just part of her, her DNA. Leadership. Her leadership. Her leadership. She was born a leader. Well, so it's interesting you say that. So I believe that leaders are made, not born. Uh, I believe that anyone can lead, but a lot of people choose not to lead. You are a leader. And maybe you were born a leader, but most people have a series of things that happen to them that cause them to realize, oh my gosh, I actually can make a difference. I actually can lead. I actually can lift other people up. I actually have gifts that I can use here. Do you remember a time or a moment when you realized that you could do so much more than some people expected of you? I never would have thought this would happen. Honestly, I never thought this would happen until I was talking to my local senator at an event back in Syracuse. He said, you're not being me. And I didn't even realize I was. Oh, that's interesting. So he, you know, when I was a young woman and thought I would never find my own way, I was a secretary. I, I had just dropped out of law school. I remember there were, I worked in a little tiny firm, nine people. And I answered the phones. That was my job. Um... I didn't have a plan. I I was just trying to pay the rent, honestly. But at some point, two people who worked in that office said to me, you could do more. You could do more. And that sort of unlocked me. It caused me to see myself differently. Was the congressman in Syracuse that person from for you? I mean, I know your mother and dad were always that way for you, but were there people who suddenly saw you in a way that you saw yourself differently than you might have expected? I know my parents as one. I know Sarah and Josh Harlow as another from a work standpoint. Um, I know that all my friends in Syracuse, um, I have mentors that help me with set goals that they always knew I could always strive my best. Mm-hmm. They knew I had goals I had to accomplish, and they lifted me up. But they knew that I have potential. Potential, potential exactly. That I didn't know I had until somebody said something to me. Well, you must, I know, you are such a powerful example. Thank you. Uh, And one of the things that I want to say to you, Kayla, most sincerely, is you're a powerful example to all kinds of people, not just people with different abilities, not just people with Down syndrome. The way you talk about leadership is an example to all kinds of people. The way you talk about finding courage is an example to all kinds of people. 
The way you talk about lifting other people up, the way you live your life, is an example to all kinds of people. The reason I wanted you to come here and talk on this podcast, our podcast is called By Example. And we try and highlight people who are examples of real leadership. I wanted you to come here and talk not because you have Down syndrome. I wanted you to come here, I wanted to have a conversation with you because I think you are an example of leadership to anybody and to everybody. Well, thank you for lifting me up, Carly. Well, thank you for lifting so many of our listeners up. I, I am certain that they are lifted up by this conversation, as am I. You're a, a wonderful example. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. It's true. So, um, anything else you want to talk about? Anything else you want to tell me? Anything else you think we should, I should ask? Do you want to talk, Kayla, about the marriage bill? I mean, that's new. We just, you're, because of you, because of your relationship and your leadership with Congressman well, Katko, we introduced a new piece of legislation this week. We have this bill called the Marriage and Equality Act, <laughs> and the where two people with Down syndrome want to get married, but unfortunately we can't because of benefits uh, dropping away and our incomes will actually come together. So let's say me and my friend Johnny want to get married. We can't because of those benefits. Mm-hmm. But I got on the phone with my local congressman and his reaction was priceless. I, because we already established a relationship, me and, me and my congressman Kako, of the 24th district, they had a, I call, I call them with my boss, Ashley Halstein, who is director of governmental affairs, and uh, I mentioned this bill to him. He's like, what? Kayla, you're getting married? Are you getting married? Do we no. have an announcement here? No. <laughs> I think no relationship. No you told boyfriends. Me, you told me you're really focused being a career-driven woman, right? No boyfriends. Okay. No time well, for that. There you go. No time. You're lobbying. Come on. So my congressman goes, who Kelly scared me. I'm like, no, yeah, it's scary, but this is what's going on, congressman. And then I laid out the bill. And then he goes, then I asked him, would you either be the lead Republican on this or are you going to introduce this? So he just introduced it yesterday. Wow, that's amazing. And, you know, I bet so many people don't even know that this is a problem. Exactly. It, it goes back to my earlier point just about a system that hasn't kept up with Kayla and her peers with Down syndrome. It's about letting people with Down syndrome live the American dream, whether it's like your point earlier about school. You know, at five years old, you know, we are forcing students with Down syndrome to pick their diploma path. That's not right. Nobody knew what they were going to do at five years old. I know I didn't. You know, the fo- the chance to go to college and not just go to a great program, but actually obtain a degree, an associate's degree, a bachelor's degree, get a competitive job, you know, work alongside folks that are passionate about the same things you are. 
and the opportunity, you know, to get married. Who knew that in 2019 you'd be penalized for losing your benefits if you wanted to, you know, love the person you want to love? And I'm proud of Kayla um, because she's really driven this issue on Capitol Hill for our organization. And I think we're going to pass it this year. Good. Let's do it. New That's Congress, your job. New Congress <laughs> in Spain, so we're going to work on both sides of the aisle to address this issue. That's fantastic. And honestly, I was I was unaware of that. Shame on me. I didn't know this was an issue. And my guess is perhaps the congressman, after he got over the shock of whether or not you were getting married, <laughs> yeah. he didn't it's know it was an a, issue. It's not an admission. I'm not getting married. <laughs> no marriage. Maybe someday. No boyfriends. Maybe Carly and I will be invited to the wedding. Well, let's get a well, boyfriend but you fall, know, shall but we? you know a lot of people who do want to get married. Yes. That's why you're advocating for it, not for yourself, but for others that you want to represent and exactly. want to lift up. Exactly. Well, that's that'll be fantastic news if that passes. We're very excited. And I know if it I know if he like if the congressman mm, drags his feet in any way, you'll be back in his office. Cuz that's your for job. Su- for sure I will be. <laughs> so Watch I have me if you're a registered lobbyist, do you have to carry like a special ID or something? Do you have a special little card? Maybe or? we should have them. Do I mean, that. that'd be a good idea. Yeah, you could kind of flash the card at the guards, you know, and maybe get although Pass security. Yeah, although my guess is you don't have any trouble getting access to these congressmen's office just on their calendar, maybe. But we all have that problem. Exactly. We all have that problem. Anything else we should talk about? Other work that you're passionate about, or? I want to say my heroes are the self-advocates that I work with and because they are amazing because when we go, we tell our personal story and that's what really drives it home. They they can remember us when the bill comes up or they can put a name to our face. So my heroes are my fellow self-advocates. My role models, not just Sarah and Josh, they are wonderful role models. Thank you. But my parents are my role models as well. Hmm. And when you tell your personal story to members of Congress who may not understand the issues that you advocate for, what do you tell them? I tell them that my name is Kayla McEwen. I am the first registered lobbyist with Down syndrome. This is what's up. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. You probably scare them to death, actually. They can be scared of me all they want. I'm just trying to get my work done. That's right. And That's so you why do. I hired her. That's why you do, right? <laughs> exactly. Courage, courage, courage. Is there uh, another personal story of one of your colleagues that you'd like us to know about? Can you help me explain Charlotte? Sure. So Charlotte uh, actually lives in Virginia. Charlotte is um, works with, with us part-time, and what Charlotte does is she focuses on a lot of our communication. She's an excellent writer as well, and she's just another one of our firecrackers on staff. She's very passionate about all different types of issues. I've heard her talk about employment to how her life matters, um, but what makes Charlotte unique is she's actually a heart transplant survivor she had a heart transplant a couple years ago and six six years ago she just celebrated her heart anniversary her heart anniversary and charlotte is helping us actually advocate for legislation state by state 
to uh, prohibit discrimination for people with intellectual disabilities from organ transplants and organ transplant lists. We've passed this legislation in about seven or eight states. And, and as Charles, another great you know, example of a leader who's leading by example and has the courage to tell her own story about what happened to her and how her life matters. And like Adrian Forsyth, he is, uh, he is also a self-advocate and he is part of our self-advocate advisory board that we've both been on for numerous, I guess numerous, but a good couple of years where we advocate strongly on behalf of each other, behalf of all individuals. Like another one of our colleagues, David DeSantis. Have you ever heard of Where Hope Grows? I have not. He, he started that movie as produce, where he helped face discrimination against people with Down syndrome. He's, he's new to our staff, and we just love... He, again, like Sarah said, David is a firecracker himself. He knows what's going on, and everybody just brings a whole new perspective mm-hmm. to everything of NDSS. And, you know, I'm learning so much sitting here listening to you all. For example, I was not aware that there were um, restrictions or prohibitions against uh, people with intellectual challenges receiving organ transplants. That's amazing. That's terrible. It's, it's awful. We actually, um, we have a family from San Diego. Um, James was 26 at the time. His parents, his kidney function, um, he kept losing kidney function over many, many months. His parents were active in trying to find him a surgeon that would do a live kidney donation. They called me in tears one night. I'll never forget it. It was a November 2017 evening, and mom, both attorneys, both very passionate advocates in themselves, said that this UCLA surgeon took one look at James, looked back at his mom, and said, I'm not operating on your son. His IQ is not high enough. Oh, my And gosh. after t- awful, awful, it's, it's not his place to say that James's life didn't matter. And after many, many months, and we thought JR, his brother, was going to be actually the live kidney donor, he wasn't able to donate his kidney because of his own health conditions. We actually took the story to the media and had the family interviewed on their local news station in San Diego. We actually pulled them out of a Padres game. Um, I think it was opening day. And the next morning after the piece had aired, uh, five calls to the kidney um, advocate for James at the Children's Hospital in San Diego. The first call from a complete stranger, Paul, Paul Williams, that complete stranger ended up being a perfect match for James and James just celebrated his first year of his kidney donation back in January and the family couldn't be happier and of course James's health couldn't be better Mm. and and that's that's what it's all about and it's really not Kayla's limitations it's everyone else's yes yes exactly do you think let me ask you a um, different question Do you think that there would be less support for late-term abortion if people were not so afraid of Down syndrome? I think there's a lot of ignorance. Yes, that's that's what I mean. Fear is based in ignorance. That's still out there. You know, when you've met one person with Down syndrome, you've met one person with Down syndrome. And... 
Kayla's different than Adrian or Charlotte or anyone. Just because you and I are different. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. And we should embrace that and society should embrace that. We at NDSS feel, again, we're a human rights organization for all individuals with Down syndrome. Their lives matter. They deserve a fair shot at the American dream. And that's what we do each and every day at NDSS. I think there's a lot of ignorance still out there and it's our job as an organization and it's our job as advocates and activists to change mm. that ignorance. Kayla, when you when you go on to the hill and my guess is that people know you're coming and many of them know you very well because you're such a effective and passionate advocate. Do you um Tell me a story of someone you ran into who was really ignorant that you needed to educate. I mean, I think we're so many of us are ignorant about all of the issues. But um, can you recall a situation where you were meeting with people who really were ignorant and you had to educate them by your example, but also by your... Uh, analysis of why a law was necessary? Though our word is offensive to not just me, but to all my friends. I'm not going to say the word, trust me. I don't need a bleep all here. So we so we say to end the R word. And actually today is stop the word to end the word, mm. which is actually March 4th, I believe, or March 6th. I can never remember what the date is, so please don't quote me. But um, that word is not just offensive to me, but it's offensive to everybody. So when I hear somebody say, I'm like, wait, what did you just say? Are you kidding me right now? That word should not be in your vocabulary. Because they may say it about their phones. They may say it about whatever. I do not want to hear that word. It's Mm. very offensive to me. As it should be to all of us. When you get into a situation like that, or someone has is ignorant, or they're insensitive, um, and they say that word, or they say something else, how do you handle that? And the reason I'm asking is because all of us run into those situations mm-hmm. where we're faced with someone who's ignorant or offensive, and we have a choice. We can either Take the high walk road. away from that conversation because we're offended, or we can engage in that conversation. So teach our listeners a little bit about how you engage in a conversation when someone has just offended you with their ignorance and their insensitivity. I would, personally, I would engage myself because I'm not just standing up for myself, but I'm standing up for all those advocates that are out there saying, A, this one is offensive. B, are you kidding me right now? You you are going to literally say this word in front of me and expect to get away with it? Not going to happen. If anybody's going to use that word, it should be out of the dictionary to begin with. Mm. Because I heard it said, but I'm not going to let that stop me from not speaking up. Mm. And, you know, so it's such an important lesson because so many people, when they um, hear someone use an offensive term, they don't say anything. They just sort of retreat. 
and the fact that you will say something always it it's hard perhaps sometimes maybe it's even scary sometimes but it has a huge impact on that person what what do people say when you do that to them when you've said don't are you kidding me you can't use that word what's the reaction you get they step back and do they say do they ever say thank you for educating me or are they, they just embarrassed embarrassed sometimes they like, thank you but sometimes they just walk away from me mm. And by all means, if you're going to walk, take the high road, do not get me any further. Mm. Because I'm not going to say something that I'm going to regret. Where did you learn this? I don't. I just know. This poise, this confidence, this courage. Honestly, I, I will repeat what I said a while ago. You are giving lessons in leadership for everyone. How did you learn that? I don't. It just comes naturally. Mm. I just speak from my heart and knowing that I'm just doing what I think is right. Have you ever been afraid of anything? I mean, do you? Re- I, I've been afraid of loads of things. That's why I ask. I mean, yes, I'm sometimes <sighs> I'm afraid of the dark, but that was when I was a kid. Yes, I used to be afraid of heights, but not anymore. So I'm overcoming my challenges and. I'm not afraid. It's, I ask this, I keep asking this question because one of the things when we teach leadership to people in companies or in organizations, the first thing we talk to them about is courage because people get afraid of really silly things that hold them back. For example, people... Public speaking. Yeah, public uh-huh. speaking. People are afraid to make a mistake. They're afraid of looking foolish. They're afraid of being pitied. They're all, you know, a lot of veterans come back wounded and they're afraid of being pitied. So when you say you're not afraid of any of those things, it seems so obvious to you, but it's not obvious to so many people how important that is. And if you make a mistake, you just learn from it. Uh-huh. I had a colleague who She's made a She's giving mis- a master class in leadership here. You just learned from <laughs> You're gonna it. You're going to steal her away. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if a man makes a mistake, you talk to your boss. You talk to your supervisor. You two have a conversation. Figure it out. So you're honest about your mistake, and then you figure out how to make it right, and you figure out how not to make that mistake again. Exactly. We, we, you learn from your mistakes. You don't sit there and you ponder. You take action. Yes, exactly. Master class here, folks, in leadership. So let me ask you about another thing that comes very hard for some people. Courage comes hard for some people. Uh, Obviously, you've learned how to be courageous over and over again. Uh, Integrity, character, being honest about a mistake comes hard for some people. It doesn't come hard for you. Sometimes it does. I had to talk to my boss about some, I'm not repeating the conversation, but it was hard for me to bring up a subject to my boss, but I actually found it easy because I was talking with a mentor through the National Dancer Club Society, and it actually came out quite easy. Then I, then I talked to my boss about it. It came easier after that. Mm. Telling the truth usually turns out to be easier, actually. It does. Although people are very afraid of it. I'm not going to admit of the discussion. No, you don't need to. Because it's already been discussed and taken care of. Off the record. Yeah. Right. And and we don't need to know the specifics. But the fact that the fact of having an honest conversation about something that perhaps didn't go well 
is usually such a much better course than trying to pretend something that happened didn't actually happen. Exactly. At NDSS, we, I mean, at, at the end of the day, we're an employer and we employ 25% of our staff that has Down syndrome. But as a human rights organization, our people are our programs at NDSS. And so we spend a lot of time working across our staff and across our stripes of the organization to provide mentoring. We, when our folks are always on the road, not just me, I travel a lot um, from too. Kansas, but Kayla's on the road. She has support 100% of the time when she's on the road. Um, we bring in outside speakers to educate and mentor um, our staff. And at the end of the day, our philosophy is you're going to fail. You're going to, you just need to fail forward. Yeah, and we all do. We mistakes. all make mistakes. We all fail. But honestly, the character to tell the truth, even when it's hard, mm, that's a lesson any staff member Absolutely. could learn. What well, One more uh, before I let you go, because you're giving our listeners a master class here in leadership. One of the things that you obviously do very well, that's very difficult for some people, is you collaborate with other people. I you do. obviously collaborate naturally with all kinds of people. Exactly. Talk a little bit about that. How did you come to be such a good team player, such a great collaborator? Because I learned from a wise person, meaning my dad, that control where you can't control and where you can't, don't. And I learned to just go with the flow. If something doesn't go your way, let it go and move on. If something doesn't work well in a speech and you mess up, so what? The show has, still has to go on no matter what. You just smooth it over and you keep talking. If I mess up on a conversation with Sarah or Josh, there's always those little speed bumps that smooth things over. Mm. So don't let something get in your way when you know there is a light at the end of the tunnel. There's that finishing, the finishing line. There's always a friend, like Sarah's a friend of mine. Josh will always be a friend of mine. My boss, Ashley, is always a friend of mine. My parents are a friend of mine. And no matter what, we do it together. Mm. Well, I hope you know, Kayla, that I've become a friend of yours, too. And we do it together. Because uh, I mean this so sincerely. I have tremendous admiration for you as a leader. Please don't make me cry. It's true. It's true. And our listeners, I assure you, have learned a lot. They've learned a lot about Down syndrome, but mostly they've learned a lot about leadership. And that's why I'm so happy you accepted our invitation to come and so glad I had a chance to talk with you. Definitely. And um, when my new book, Find Your Way, comes out, I'm going to send you a copy, and I think you're going to see, oh, I knew this already. I didn't have to read this book. I know all this stuff. Because you do. I love reading, so I'm looking forward to reading. You have found your way in life, and you're helping a lot of other people find their way. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having the both of us, the three and of us. thank you, Sarah, as well. Thank and you. Josh, thanks to all of you for being here and thank you for the tremendous work that you do on behalf of so many that lifts not just them up but all of us up thank you thank you thank you
That's all for now. But you can always check out more episodes online at carlyfiorina.com or on iTunes. And please subscribe so you can get all of the episodes. You can be the first to get updates and exclusive offers by texting, by example, to 345-345. You can also send us feedback on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Carly Fiorina, or by email at byexample at carlyfiorina.com. Until next time, I'm Carly Fiorina, and this is By Example.